Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Have you ever felt like you're just moving through the motions of life? That Monday through Friday, life feels blah and you're living for the weekend. Your life may look amazing on paper, but you lack the lust of living a deeply satisfying life. You lack that feeling of being alive that you once may have had as a child. If this resonates with you and you've ever felt like you weren't living your best life, then you're going to love today's guest. In today's episode, I interview Visa Shanmugam. Visa is a mindset transformation coach for women that seem to have everything they want in life and yet feel disconnected and unhappy. She helps them see that they no longer have to be a powerless spectator in their life, but become a powerful creator of their future through radical self-love and spirituality. So without further ado, let's welcome Visa to the Time and Talks podcast, who's going to help us press the reset button on self-sabotage and build radical self-love. Thank you so much, Visa, for being here on the Time and Talks podcast today. I'm so excited to deep dive with you. I have been counting down the days for this. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be amazing. And you have some pretty, I think, fabulous tips for our listeners today. But you have a remarkable, remarkable story. But before we get into your story, I always like to start off with some icebreakers questions so everyone can get to know you a little bit. So you ready for that? Let's do it. Okay. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one to fly. So, <gasps> me too. <laughs> Where would you fly? To Bora Bora. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. I like that. I feel like I would just fly into outer space. <laughs> I think Bora Bora first and then maybe the moon. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So me too. Um, your second question is, if you could instantly become an expert at something, what would it be? Probably parenting. Oh, I would give anything to be an expert at parenting because I feel like every phase you figure it out and then boom, it changes again. Oh, that is so right. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's that's true. You would be like, people would pay you big money if you were like an expert at parenting too. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of what you do. That's why I followed you. I'm like, this chick weighs no more than I'm weighs. <laughs> she knows a lot more than I do about parenting. So I'm going to check her out. Well, we are all on this journey. I feel like we're all experts in our own way for our own child, right? Absolutely. So, that's a good one. And then number three, if you had a talk show, who would your first three guests be, dead or alive? Oh, my goodness. Um, probably Oprah, because she's the queen of talk shows. And she is just has done amazing, amazing things. Probably number two, Ellen. I love strong women. Um, and then three would be Mindy Kalig. I feel like she's done so much for the South Asian um, women and like just paving the way, you know, so I would love her. Oh, that would be fun. I would watch your talk show. <laughs> Those are all people that I would totally get down with. Um, I think Mindy just was on a uh, talk show, right? Lily? The Lily Singh, I think, the Canadian. Yeah, I think she's Canadian, right? 
I have no idea, but I want to check her out, but I'm never up that late. So that's a problem. So if, as long as you keep your talk show during like normal business hours, I will totally check it out. <laughs> when that happens, I will make sure I put it on my list of things I need. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So Visa, you have had quite a remarkable journey. Now you've had highs and you've had lows and you're not afraid to share the peaks and the valleys of your life. So you were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease at the age of 23, which is so young. And you've overcome many doubts of depression through your years. You've also gone on to fight tooth and nail to build businesses, you know, being an entrepreneur and really putting yourself out there, which is I feel like as a spiritual journey in itself, you really dive deep and learn so much about yourself and you've become this successful mindset transformation coach that you are today. So I'd love for you to share. You said that having an autoimmune disease was one of the best things that could have happened to you. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story and why that is true for you. Sure. Um, so I'm the typical Indian slash British slash American girl, um, played everything by the rules. And like you said, at 23, I woke up and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and my whole life came crashing down. It led to 10 years of being somewhat depressed. I didn't know it at the time, um, but looking back on it, that's what it was. And this really whole spiritual journey started because of my health. After 10 years, I just had enough. And I went down the rabbit hole of trying to find out other solutions apart from traditional medicine and prescription pills. And that really led me to take my own health into my hands. And I saw incredible results. And it was such an experience of, holy cow, if I can do this with my health, what else can I do with my life? And that really is what led me to have the courage to take the next step and the next step into leaving corporate America, then trying out businesses. I tried so many businesses before I actually found my passion, my purpose. Um, and now I'm so, so, so grateful for all the low lows because I wouldn't be the woman I am today without having experienced those. Oh, absolutely. I think anybody on a spiritual journey who is like, you know, is putting themselves out there in the world, you can't, everyone shares that they've had kind of a dark night of the soul or this deep darkness, because I think that we need that contrast to be able to go into the light, to be able to step into who we are meant to become. Would you say that's been true for you? I love that word contrast because that is so what it is. I think up until 23 years old, everything had been hunky-dory in my life. I just kind of flatlined in a way. I didn't really have any high highs. I didn't truly have any struggles. And when I got literally gut punched, right, and it took me months to get back on my knees and my legs, I thought, how on earth am I going to figure this out? And there is no other way except figuring it out. So you like you get your hands dirty, you scrape your knees, and it really it builds you, it builds you up. And that, that's why I'm so grateful for the spiritual journey, because there is, for me, it's really helped build my muscle, my inner confidence and my self-belief, um, because you realize when you get hit with the lows that you are the only one that can pick yourself up and carry. Nobody can rescue you. Nobody. And that is, in a way, very scary, but also extremely empowering. Absolutely. And what would you say are some of the things that when you were in that dark night of the soul where you were trying to build your confidence to help yourself get out of the situation that you're in, what helped you 
move through that? The first one would be not feeling ashamed to ask for help. I remember crying to my husband and telling him, I I don't know how to do this. I cannot get through each day with so much pain. And then I remember after having had my first baby, I was struggling with postpartum depression. And I kept thinking that, oh, once the breastfeeding thing stops, I'll be okay. Once I get more sleep, I'll be okay. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, I'm not okay. So I put my foot down um, and I told my husband, like, I need to go see a counselor, like right now, like I need to look it up. And I Googled it and I booked an appointment that evening. And as soon as I went and talked to this counselor, oh my gosh, it was like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. So I would say just having the courage to say, I'm struggling, I'm suffering, I need help. And that takes an immense amount of courage because all of us want to not pretend, but we want to give off this vibe to the whole world that we have our stuff together. Like we have it. Yeah, I don't need any help. And that seems almost glorious in some way. But the real courage and vulnerability for me has been with asking for help and beautiful things have come out of me learning to ask for help. I I completely resonate with this because I feel like all that energy when we are keeping it bottled within, keep it bottled within. And so many of the listeners are South Asians or Indians can relate to this is that you are not you're not allowed to basically speak about anything that's negative or can be perceived as weakness. And your reputation is like the end all be all and you need to preserve it. And I think that creates that illusion of having to always have this false persona or mask that we have to present to the world. Yeah. And so you are absolutely right. There's such a stigma about speaking your truth, even if it's just one person, right? Like you said, you spoke to your husband and you had the foresight to be like, I'm going to go talk to a counselor. But, you know, even if you don't feel comfortable, right, to go to see a professional, even if it's someone that you trust, just one person who deserves the right and will make you feel safe. I think that's really important to just get that energy out of you so it doesn't consume you. And I think it's really important to seek professional help in a lot of occasions because when we share our pain with family and friends, yes, that's a great place to start. But what often happens is the person you're sharing it with gets so uncomfortable with your pain and they don't know what to do with that pain. And rather than sit with their own discomfort and your discomfort, they just tell you it's all going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they just, you know, they want you to ignore it so that they can ignore it as well. And Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's so true. And then you don't feel supported by the person because you're like, wait, they're not giving me what I need or I don't feel validated or heard or like the, the way that I want to be, that is so powerful. Exactly. And then you feel shame around having shared it. And so I'm always telling people, go get professional help because then you don't feel like, A, you're a burden. There's no shame around it. And nobody's telling you to just brush it aside and just, it'll be okay. It'll be okay, Beta. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we've all heard that, right? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Just go pray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now it makes my parents so uncomfortable with how much I expose my pain, my wins, my parenting struggles, my issues with my husband. Not that we have major ones, but we have the regular ones that everybody has. And my mother is always saying, why are you sharing all of this on social media? There are other people who can do what you are doing. Why does it have to be you? 
And that what's your answer to that? I because there's that's a I'm interested. I thought I said, you know, I come at it with love because that's the only way you can handle it. And I said, I really appreciate what you're trying to do, which is trying to protect me. But I feel like I have been put on this earth to do this very thing. And when I censor myself, then I'm censoring who I truly am. And that's not okay when I'm telling the women that follow me to do the very thing. Mm. So I, I tell her, I know your generation and my generation is very different. And if you if it really makes you uncomfortable, then don't watch. Oh. <laughs> that is a very respectable, respectful and a very honorable way of sharing it because it's speaking your truth. And, you know, I truly believe that as children, every child, whether it's our child or us being children, we are teachers to our parents. So you standing in your light is, I mean, yes, your mom is not going to go on Facebook live and like share, but I think that it opens them up to being, you know, in their own little way of saying that it's okay to speak my truth, right? In a generation where it was never really okay to speak their truth and everything was suppressed and uh, lived below the surface. So I really honor you for that response because yeah, like myself, you know, it took my parents a long time to get used to the idea. And I'll, I'll share this because years ago I was asked to be a part of like a contributing author in a book and the story that I shared, which was relevant at that time. And I talk very freely is the tumultuous relationship that I had with my mom, which is the catalyst that got me started on my spiritual journey and me wanting to be such a advocate for mindfulness for kids. And I shared the story and both of them were like silent. I could feel their energy like, wow, I can't believe you wrote about it. And it wasn't like disrespectful. It was my truth. Ever since then, I think my dad just knew, like, if there's like this unspoken thing that you're going to just speak your truth, <laughs> you know, I just have to get used to it. And uh, my mom, she's not on social media, but she still hasn't told me what she thought about that. And I'm not, I'm not really sure what, what to think of what she thinks about that, but they're very supportive about what I do. You can really resonate with this too, because at, at going back to the idea of wanting to speak your truth you have to be seen, right? We have to break and up level to a point to get over. And I think it's a constant journey of like, it's okay that I'm not going to be liked by everyone. It's okay that my journey is not going to resonate, but there are going to be people who will truly not feel alone. And that's what catapults us to do that. But you have shared that in your journey that you as a child were bullied and that experience created this self-sabotage of you wanting to be seen, but then it's like pulling you back. Can you share a little bit about how you move past that limiting belief of that self-sabotage so that you don't, you stop playing small? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like this is the, the story that I grew up with was everyone gets bullied because that was my experience, right? So I thought because it happened to me that it most likely happened to a lot of people. So first of all, the bullying didn't even register in my brain as a significant event in my life or something that had impacted me. So I was like, it happened a long time ago. I'm over it. I'm confident today. La, 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 the stories we tell. 
And I realized when I was working with my first life slash business coach, I had these crazy big ambitions for my business. And I was in network marketing at the time. And I wanted to be on stage as one of the top leaders in the company being recognized and speaking on stage to all these women. And when she asked me about that visualization, I was so drawn to it. But at the same time, I was also terrified, not because I was speaking on stage, but because of what will others think of me. And this is where she, she was a genius. She said, because we'd already uncovered uh, my bullying by that point. And she said, what does it mean to be different? Because when you're a leader, that means you stand out and you are different. That is why you're a leader. And she said, what does it mean to be different? And I said, to be different means that you are not safe. That is the association that I made in my head. So she said, you can understand why you have such two conflicting beliefs and no wonder your business is struggling because a part of you wants to be super successful. And then there's this other side of you that says in order to be successful, it's not safe. And there is no way your ego is ever going to allow you to be seen as long as you tell yourself it's not safe. So that is when I had to, well, once I recognized that and we brought it to the surface, I had to do a lot of inner child work. And that is something that I work with with my clients. I had to go back to my 11 year old self and tell her she was beautiful, even though she had brown skin and tell her that she was beautiful, even though she had bad teeth and she was teased for it and tell her she was beautiful, even though Everyone recognized her brother as the more handsome, the fair skinned one. And I was the super dark skinned one with the bad teeth. You know, all of those memories that she had collected over the years and as evidence as to why it's not safe to be seen. And I had to take each one off the shelf, examine it and heal every memory and just pour love into that little child. When I first heard of inner child healing, I thought it was the most cuckoo thing in the world. I was like, what? Like that makes no sense. And that sounds stupid. I'll be honest if I'm going to say it. But when I did that work with my own coach, it blew my mind how powerful and impactful it was. And now I do it with my own clients. And I tell them, just put your resistance on the shelf for now, work through this. And every single time each one of them comes back, and says that was the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life. I truly, truly believe in inner child work too. And I think you are spot on because when you feel like there is like two forces pulling you in opposite sides, I think you nailed it when you said the underlying feeling underneath that is that is not safe. There is a feeling of lack of safety and being able to pinpoint the age or like the space of when that kind of developed and we created the stories around that is so huge. And you're going to, you'll really appreciate this. I actually in my office have a picture of me as my five-year-old self and I talk to her and I, because she lives within me, that five-year-old girl. And when I, a lot of the work that I do is working with children and teaching them the skills. And it usually starts at the age of four and five is that I'm doing it that for her, that learning these skills, and even when I'm practicing it as a 36-year-old, it is for her to heal her. And every single age, doesn't matter where we are in that linear line, they live within us, that essence is within us. And so I think even just like recognizing that and talking to that person, I know, again, it sounds cuckoo, but 
you'll appreciate this too. And I think our listeners will, I would do this inner child meditation with my clients, my mom clients. And it would be like, you're holding yourself as a baby and you're looking at your, the eyes and, um, and we play the song, the Jason Mraz song, like I won't give up. And you're supposed Mm -hmm. to, you're supposed to bring in like when you're holding your own baby, like that feeling. And then when you open your eyes, you're looking at your own eyes and that blank plate of when you're a baby. And I have yet to have a client and I've done this with probably hundreds of them where they haven't cried because you just get taken back to this, like your pure, innocent, true, like unconditional loving self that we can so easily see in our children, but sometimes we forget that place is still living and breathing within us. I so appreciate that. I do a similar version of it with my clients, but I usually try and take them back to seeing themselves at an age that something significant has happened. And it's the same exercise where you're looking into your child self. You cannot look into a child's eye, even if it's your, you are the child in that visualization and not cry and break down. Because you realize all these things that you have told yourself you cannot say it to the child and not be like, how is that okay? Yeah, you are absolutely right. I think it really changes your relationship with yourself. And a lot of the work that you do is around self-love. And would you say like the inner child work goes ties in with self-love work? Is that how you pull it absolutely. in? Absolutely. Absolutely. The way I define self-love is you having or beginning a relationship with yourself and a brutally honest one. So not only are you loving the parts of yourself that is easy to love, but you're loving the parts of yourself that you have rejected for a very long time. It might have been mistakes that you have made in the past that you've never forgiven yourself for. You might have been the one who was doing the bullying in school. And now you might hate that part of yourself because you know how mean you were, right? And it's learning to accept that part of yourself. That's huge. As long as we continue to reject any part of ourselves, then you're not fully loving yourself unconditionally. You're still loving yourself with conditions. And that's the breeding ground for judgment, right? Self-judgment, judgment of others, what you're just saying, right? Like when there's lack of acceptance of a certain aspect of yourself, it manifests in our life as judgment or that separation or that duality. Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as we judge something within ourselves, we will judge the same thing within other people as well. If you're judging somebody, I always tell my clients this, if you are judging somebody for something, that part that you are judging is a part of yourself that you don't like. That's why you're judging it in somebody else. And I, and to be really honest too, right, when we talk about what we put out into the world, like if I I used to experience this in my teens and my 20s. I'd be like, why do people talk behind my back? And why do I feel judged? It's because, girl, when you judge others, that energy is circulating in different ways right back to you. So if you ever feel in your life that you're not being supported or people or you have that feeling that people are talking behind your back or they're uh, making comments, be really radically honest about how you're what energy you're putting out into the world. Like, be responsible of the words that you say about yourself and to others, about others, if you want that cycle to break. Absolutely, absolutely. If there is anything in your life that you don't like that's happening, then you have to look within and ask yourself, well, where am I showing up in this exact same way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I'd love for you to share, because um, we're talking about self-love, any, you have some, you believe there's some misconceptions and misbeliefs about self-love. I'd love for you to share some of those with us. Sure. I think a lot of people believe self-love is when you take yourself out for like mani-pedi or a spa day. That is one very small aspect of self-love. It's how you care for your body, right? But self-love is actually like the work that nobody likes doing. It's about drawing boundaries. That is a huge part of self-love is knowing what your boundaries are and how you show other people how to respect those boundaries and what are you doing to honor those boundaries for yourself. And when I talk about boundaries, people get really uncomfortable because it means having really uncomfortable conversations with people. So let's take work, for example. We all want to do great in our career and we might be used to saying yes to taking on lots of different things at work to impress our managers and our colleagues. When you know deep down, this is burning me out or this is really not part of my job, and you're really scared of saying no because of how that might come across. So if you are truly honoring that word self-love, then what you're going to have to do is go to your manager and do the thing that scares you, which is to say, this is too much. I need to delegate this, 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 and this, and this, and that is how you honor yourself. Not by saying yes to everyone. That is not self-love. So I tell my clients, self-love sounds great and sounds glamorous and it sounds like, you know, you go get your hair done. But that's the easy part of self-love. The hard part is self-forgiveness. That's also part of self-love. Learning to give yourself grace and kindness when it feels like you shouldn't. Um, like we said, it's about boundaries. Nobody likes that work. <laughs> and it's really about learning how to please yourself first. That always scares people because they think about pleasing myself equals selfish. It's not. It's about putting your highest good ahead of everyone else. Like, how do I take care of me so that my cup is overflowing and I have more to give to others that way? Not I'm depleting my cup entirely and I'm left with nothing. I think your buzzword that you nailed it, it is the highest self. Like love is supposed to be the highest expression and high, uh, your highest self. And so how are you showing up to be your highest self? So everything that you said, whether it's the boundaries, it's for the highest good of you or your soul of, you know, all these different things of how you're showing up and what you're saying. And I almost feel like you're right. Like the, the manis and the petties, they're kind of like the self-care, right? They're love, but it's like you're, you're caring for yourself. And then self-love is like these things that are nurturing your soul or taking care of your soul. Yes. Yeah. The physical stuff that we do, like the mani-pedi and the spa days, it's, it's surface level. It's yes. taking care of your physical um, body, which is very important. But the true self-love work is what happens on the inside. How are you showing up? for yourself. And to go back to your story about um, you writing a book or the chapter in a book, and that was you showing self-love for yourself because you had to share your truth. And I've had a very similar experience. It's crazy how many overlapping stories we have. So recently, I also contributed a chapter to a book. And I talked about, it was just a one-liner, but I talked about a sexual molestation incident in my childhood. 
And before I sent it to the publisher, I sent the draft to my parents and I didn't say a word. And I just said, here you go. I want you to read it. I was such a chicken. And then three days later, I get a message from my mom saying, we need to talk. And I knew obviously what the talk was about. And it was such a difficult conversation, but I held my ground. Like I got close to maybe taking it out because she made a very convincing argument. She was like, it's just one sentence, take it out. You know, and I was like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. Were your, did your parents know about the molestation before this chapter went out? It wasn't brand new information, but they were just shocked because we haven't talked about it in years. And so now for it to come back up, they really did not want me to do it. They were like, what will your husband think? What will your kids think? What will your in-laws think? What will our community think? You know, it went down that rabbit hole, but I truly stood my ground and I felt so in love with myself. I was like, you go, girl, like you stand your ground. And I never, never would have been able to do that two years ago because I didn't have that level of love for myself to stand up for myself. Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing that. That like there's, you know what they say, like speaking your truth, like no person ever said that they were better off never speaking their truth. Like no person is like, oh, I shouldn't have spoken my truth. It's always a ripple effect of that is like, it gives courage. It gives empowerment. It frees your soul. And I'm so proud of you and kudos to you for sticking your gun on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, 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 (laughs) yes. And, you know, we are constantly and ever evolving, growing, transforming spirit and soul. And a lot of times, I'm sure you also probably get this, like your clients that you work with, because there may be a few steps further behind us on the journey. Right. We're still on this journey. And, you know, they may look at like, wow, you seem to have it all together or you. And I really try to keep it very honest and transparent and really share my lows and my struggles because I don't want to ever give that facade that I have this perfect like expert and I know what I'm doing. Kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning, like we have our shit together when we are always up leveling and we, you know, we may have certain lessons under our belt, but we're constantly growing and evolving. And so I'd love for you to share, you know, what are some setbacks that you currently face in your life that you're constantly working through still? So one major setback would be um, my parenting. (laughs) So in the beginning, I felt like I was failing as a parent. When I say in the beginning, when my kids were really little, like three and one or four and one, that's when I was really in the throes of my first business. And I, I'll be completely honest, I resented my kids for the amount of time and energy they took from me. And at that time, I believed away from my business. Now I know it had nothing to do with my kids. It had everything to do with my mindset, which is why I was facing the blocks I was facing. But I put it all on my kids and I resented them. Today, the struggles that I'm having with my children is my just how do I continue to be present with them? So often I'm on my phone and I it breaks my heart. The other day, my son said, mommy, why don't you come and play with me in the basement? You can keep your phone on you if you want to. And like just saying it now makes me teary eyed because that's a part of me that I know I don't have it together. I'm still so ambitious and I'm career driven. I'm like tearing up talking about it. And I am so career driven and I want my success. And then I and then I wonder, am I harming my kids in some way? 
which I know every parent struggles with, and that struggle never goes away, ever, no matter how much work you do on yourself. And so now I have, we have had help with my youngest because he was having meltdowns and tantrums that wasn't normal, like it's outside of the normal range. And again, we weren't scared to go seek help. So we have started now going to see a play therapist and that has done wonders for him and us because I now know what I need to give him so that he doesn't need to go to that level to feel like he's getting attention from me. And it's a simple 20 minutes of no phone after he comes back from school. I put everything down and we just focus on playing with him. That's all it took. But I needed somebody on the outside to point that out to me because if my husband said it, I would have lost my shit. I think one, it's awesome that you're taking your son to a play therapist because again, like you said, when you're seeking tools outside of you, sometimes it's that outside perspective that, or that interaction your son is having with someone else as well that is going to help create that breakthrough. And um, yeah, the mind, body, soul time of just like that time of one-on-one, that's actually my, my four and a half year old is very much uh, needs to feel in control and attention and likes attention. And when his bucket is not filled, that's when the misbehavior happens. And I, with a lot of parents that I work with, that is the first strategy that we try because whenever there's these meltdowns that are, you know, becoming more frequent and it is guys, if you're listening, just even 10 minutes, like you schedule it into your calendar, like it's a meeting, it's a non-negotiable. You let your children know, Hey, we're going to have special mommy and me time. We have it every single day. We're going to do what you want to do. 10 minutes. Um, you can even during school days repurpose story time and that bedtime to be your special time. I'm sharing this because this has been, I've shared a lot about this on Instagram, but if you're new to the podcast and you're hearing it for the first time, I really want you to know that that, that helps you with your confidence as a parent too, that you know that every single day you are spending time present with your child. And I think there's a misconception that parents have that you have to be present with your child every single time, like every single moment that you're with them. And that I want to share just like even I'm not coming from me, but like spiritual texts that it's impossible for you to be present unless you're like a guru and a yogi that's like mastered in your Buddha. It's hard. You can't be present every single moment of your life. So I think when we take those conscious moments that we're going to have it non-negotiable time that we're going to be present with our kids can change how we feel about how we're showing up as a parent, but also change that dynamic with our kids because they're seeing us do our purpose and our life's work, but they're then we're also balancing it with being present with them. So I think what you're showing your children by you doing the work that you're meant to do is so powerful because it's giving them permission to find and unfold into the path of what they're meant to do and how they're meant to serve in the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do believe that. I do believe that. And then the other area I actually wanted to talk to you about that I am struggling with right now is one, I used to have help to do my laundry and my dishes. That help has stopped. So my house is a complete friggin' mess. And in the past, I would have used that as evidence that I'm failing in life. And now because of all this internal work that I have done, that is the least of my problems. And it like has zero significance on who I am as a mother and a wife. 
And so that's something that I have learned to let go of this idea of having a perfect home that used to stress me out so much. And now if my mother walked in, she would be shocked and horrified. (laughs) (laughs) That's powerful. I think we create a lot of self-inflicted stress with how we need to be perceived with our surroundings, like our house being messy or like someone comes over and the first thing that we say, oh, don't mind my house. Like it's really messy. Like we have to, we feel like we have to put that disclaimer out there so we don't feel like we're being judged. But kudos to you for being able to transform that because I am still working on that. I'm still very much a neat freak. And so I do need my house to be cleanly, but I notice that it can add to my anxiety if I leave it unchecked. So I think that's really awesome that you've been able to overcome that. And if I had somebody do laundry service, I wish I knew somebody because I would totally hire somebody. That's my least favorite thing to do in the whole entire world. I know. I looked for help. I mean, the help I had was amazing. And I don't mind sharing it with everyone. I tell them I pay somebody to come fold my clothes. It's the best thing ever. But now she's gotten too busy with her cleaning business. Yeah. But say lovey. Say lovey. So if there was one piece of advice that you would want to leave our listeners with that could help transform them, what would that one piece of advice be? To not push down whatever negative feeling emotions that might be coming up. Um, I lived with so many negative feeling emotions for the longest time. And I thought it was all very normal because I didn't like my corporate job. I didn't feel like I was very good at it. And I would just tell myself, this is just life. This is how it's supposed to be. Nobody really, truly enjoys what they do and makes money. And then I really didn't enjoy being a mother. And I thought that was because, you know, I wasn't, I don't know what my excuse was. I just, all of these things, every aspect of my life I looked at, it wasn't filling my cup fully. And I was just going through the motions. I was like a robot now that I'm looking back on it. I lived from Monday through Fridays. Um, sorry, I, I hated Monday through Fridays. I lived for the weekend. Mm. And then you just go through the motions of life. My marriage was okay. My work was okay. My life was okay. And then my health was okay. And one day I was just like, what? Surely there is more to life than just okay. I just had it. I just had it. And when I first, and I allowed myself to ask the question of what if there is more? And I just don't know where to look right and that's what really started it so what I want to tell your listeners is that please don't ignore those feelings that are coming up because they are serving you they're not there to hurt you they are there it's like a red flag or a yellow flag that's being waved in your face and it's for you to wake up and take note that something needs to change you might not know what that is but it's time for you to acknowledge it and start addressing it and just Put it out to the universe and just say, I'm ready for the next step. It's my time. I'm ready for the next step. It's my time. Just when you put that intention out, you're going to start getting breadcrumbs. And pick up those breadcrumbs. Please pick up those breadcrumbs. Don't ignore them. Yeah, those aren't coincidences. That's divine synchronicity. Those breadcrumbs are being placed there for a reason. That was beautiful. Um, I saw this quote on Instagram and it said, Um, the purpose of life is to enjoy it, to grow and serve your soul and to help others grow and serve and heal their soul. And I think you're truly embodying that and you are 
on the right path of what life is meant to be. And um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your um, 12-week coaching program that you have that's called Unstoppable. Can you tell our mamas a little bit more about that? Yes. So the birthing of this program was quite the process. I was so used to doing one-on-one private coaching. That was my comfort zone. And then I realized that I couldn't help as many people as I wanted with the time I had. So the only option available was group coaching. And I had convinced myself that the work that I did could only be done on a private level and could never be done on a group level. So just getting over that fear and that mindset in itself was, I had to do a lot of internal work to shift that. And then once I sat down and I thought to myself, if I could distill everything that I have gone through in the last like eight, nine years of my own transformation and distill it to the very core of what needs to happen to help a woman go from feeling completely checked out of life, completely confused, lost, and doesn't have any other way of defining herself apart from an employee, a mother and a wife, and to take her from that to feeling like she's embodying her goddess self, right? That word goddess, I feel like really triggers a lot of people because they're like, I'm not a goddess, but we all have a goddess, just like we have an inner child within us, we all have a goddess within us. And I really wanted to awaken that goddess and help her embody that by the end of 12 weeks. And so I built out, you know, eight modules where I just pour my heart and soul into the concepts we've talked about today. One is self-awareness, then it's self-forgiveness, then it's the inner child work. And I teach them on how to set boundaries in their life and letting go of this need to continue pleasing others. And then the final two steps is you embodying that goddess, because you cannot embody your goddess unless all of this previous work has happened of you releasing all this crap. And I'm so proud of what I birthed because we are in the process of the first round of women that have been in it. And I just keep getting messages every day saying I pinch myself because I've already accomplished the three things that I came to you with that I wanted to do. And a lot of these are very personal things to them. Um, Their marriage is getting better. They're feeling more full, right? That's the best way I can describe it. I have somebody on the group. She is an amazing doctor, very highly accomplished, beautiful, married, two kids, came to me feeling completely empty. She had the biggest case of imposter syndrome. And she messaged me the other day and she said, I feel full for the first time in my life. And to know that I was able to help her do that in nine weeks after 36 years of her feeling that way, you know? And so that's what Unstoppable is. Um, And amazing. I wanted to make it as a group because the group format itself builds so much community, sisterhood. It makes you feel less alone in the journey. And I'm there every step of the way. We have some one-on-one calls because everybody needs some portion of customized work. There's tons of meditations, lots of spiritual work that happens. I share my woo-woo side, as I call it. And I was so scared of doing it the other day. We did it on a call and they were all like, this is so cool. I was like, we're all in the spiritual closet. Like we all just need to come out and own it. Um, so that's what it is if, you know, and I called it unstoppable because I want every woman to feel like she is unstoppable after she's done with this program. What a beautiful program and a mission. And if, um, our listeners are interested in finding more about the program, where can they go? You can actually just go straight to my Instagram, um, which is Visa Shanmugam, and all the links are on there where you can check it out. All right. And um, you also have, you're so generous to share um, a little bit about Elevate Mornings. Can you share 
about your seven best tips on how to start your day? Yes. So again, when it comes to communicating with people about what I do, I feel like I get very convoluted into like, and you get into this spiral of, well, this is how I help and this is how I help. So I sat down one day and I was like, what is it that people struggle with? Like truly, what does it look like on the outside? Because she doesn't know she needs mindset work. My client doesn't know I need to do mindset work. All she knows is she wakes up in the morning and she feels like crap and she doesn't want to go through the day again. It's another Monday and she's like, I cannot wait for Friday. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that you're really your day and then your future starts to change because of how your attitude is first thing in the morning. And I didn't know that. I wish somebody had told me that back then. And so I just put together this guide about seven things that I have personally used. And I don't do all seven things because no one's got time for that. So it's seven individual tips that you can mix and match you can do it all together you can just do one of them and it takes less than 10 minutes and yeah i just put together this freebie and i was like and if you guys can read it and just take one out of it and do it for seven days and then take another one and do it for another seven days i promise you your morning you will go from feeling like maybe a two or three on the scale of how you're feeling to like an eight or a nine if you just do one of these things that's Awesome. And I, I want to check it out too. So I'm going to go click on that link. I'm going to put the link to that website and that freebie. Thank you so much for sharing those quick and easy tips. I'm going to put it in the show notes for anybody who's interested in um, learning more about that and the course, or is Instagram the best place for people to connect with you or your website? Where would you want to have I'll be honest, Instagram is probably my best. My website is in dire need of an upgrade. <laughs> Another one of the things that I'm a mess, right? My business, I do not have it all together. Um, it is being built every day as we speak. Um, so my website, I would not, it's, it's on the show notes list. You can check it out. It's there. But the best place is Instagram. I'm super active on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. And I'm also very active. Awesome. On and Facebook. what's your Facebook group? So any Facebook moms who want to check you out? It's it's called Becoming You. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for this deep dive. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I have too. I could hang out here for another hour easily. <laughs> Me too. And talk some more. <laughs> Me too. This was so brilliant. And I think you're really going to connect with a lot of our listeners. Thank you for bringing your light, for bringing your wisdom. And I'm so excited to learn more from you myself personally, because we all have so much to learn from each other. Thank you. And I'm learning a ton from you. And I'm just so happy that the breadcrumbs were laid out in front of me for me to connect with you because it happened by divine guidance. It was. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this Time and Talks episode. Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye.